Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. <laughs> This is The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast, and especially if you live in Los Angeles like me, you may have heard about a little comedy festival happening over the next week. Netflix is a joke fest kicked off last night with Dave Chappelle and friends at the Hollywood Bowl and features a ridiculous lineup of the best comedians on the planet, including John Mulaney, Amy Schumer, Chris Rock, and dozens of other huge comics over the next 10 days. This is the first of a few episodes we will be dedicating to the festival, including a new conversation with one of my favorite stand-up comedians next week. But today, we are revisiting my interview with the great Mike Berbiglia. Mike is performing his latest solo show, The Old Man and the Pool, as part of the festival at the Theater at the Ace Hotel next Wednesday night, May 4th. We taped this episode back in the fall of 2019 backstage before a performance of his previous show, The New One, which is streaming now on, where else, Netflix. In the years since we talked, Mike launched his own podcast called Working It Out, which has quickly become one of my favorites, mostly because he gets his comedian friends to try out new jokes on the mic something I'm always hoping my guests will do. This was such a fun and fascinating conversation about his writing process, our mutual obsession with SNL that led him to write his excellent movie Don't Think Twice, and that time he went on a crime spree with Fresh Air host Terry Gross. Hopefully I can convince him to come back on this podcast when his new show is available to stream. But for now, here's me with Mike Berbiglia. Thanks for having us in your dressing room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> been here for five weeks. Yeah, how's it feel? You, uh, you're, you're almost done with four your, more shows. Your LA run. Yeah, four more shows. I did uh, thirty nine here, ninety nine on Broadway, and then uh, all told, probably like close to five hundred performances of the show. Wow. And this that's is it. Wild. And I think that's why I'm sick. Of course, you know, my body is just like, all right, we're done. Yeah. And then, and then after, and then it goes on Netflix on Tuesday, yeah. and yeah. then is, and then that's it. You'll never perform this one again. Or, uh... I don't know. <laughs> I I think I might actually, but I don't know when. Maybe in mm -hmm. a few years. Yeah. There's something about this show that's unlike any other show that I've done, mm -hmm. where I feel like the audience is there's something they're getting from it that feels like it's like they need it <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah you know what i mean like no, for, I pa totally for get parents that. like for parents there's something about it like you know mothers and fathers come up to me and they're just like oh that we're now we're more comfortable talking about this thing mm -hmm. and elephant in the room kind of like topic and yeah so that's been i think for parents or people like, who are considering being parents yeah sure i had yeah exactly i have some people come up they go oh, okay so I'm definitely never going to have a kid, you know? And then some people go, okay. some people go, I think I'm going to have a kid, yeah. you know? And so that's, I think all those reactions are good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I got to see the show 
about a year and a half ago in New York when you were doing it downtown, yeah, which was great. And then I saw it a couple of weeks ago here. Oh, cool! So it was fun to see. I mean, I, you know, I'm not sure how much changed in it's that actually time. Actually, changed quite a bit. Um, but it was, you know, it was interesting to kind of see what the what the differences were, how it how it evolves over that time. Because I think when I saw it the first time, it was towards the beginning of when you were doing this show. Sure. And now it's towards the end. Um, I was also curious about how you keep it fresh for yourself after doing so many performances. I mean, when I came here, you know, I think maybe there were some people coming in late and you, you comment on that. You yeah. kind of, it seems like you try to do something at the top of the show that is different or usually I, yeah, usually the first 30 seconds or so is something off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Is that just sort of to kind of make sure that you're present? Yeah. You think? Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And like, and to make sure everyone realizes that, like, it's me, I'm there, mm-hmm. I put the microphone on, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to, like, walking out with it on already. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me. And um, and then I try to keep an open mind to, like, wherever things go, mm-hmm. you know, if someone's phone goes off, I'll acknowledge it. And basically, I'll acknowledge anything that feels like it's occurring in the room. If there's someone has a crazy absurd laugh i'll mention that <laughs> yeah. if they you know if any the other night there was a guy with a shiny coat yeah it was, was bright bright coat i go what how come it's so shiny in the front row he goes it's a cycling coat and I go, <laughs> okay and then i go you shouldn't uh wear that here and then, uh and then i mentioned it like four or five times in the show and then it became a thing and then this woman came up to me afterwards when i was signing uh, posters in the lobby and she goes um so is this so is there someone with a cycling coat every night <laughs> and no no yeah and then she goes but so then what do you do yeah I like i don't know I something just, else you know something else <laughs> exactly yeah yeah good yeah. answer something yeah. else <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean when I when I first saw the show it was interesting to see it twice because when I first saw the show I didn't know whether you ended up having a kid or not mm. Um, and I know that you've kind of wanted to, you like that that's a secret for people in a sense, although maybe it's gotten harder with all of the yeah, press. Yeah, it's probably and, harder at now. Um, yeah. but is that something, is that something that you thought about when you were putting it together that, that you didn't want people to know? Well, it's funny because the, the actually for, for the, for subscription series here, they don't know. Mm-hmm. Right, because yeah. they don't know who I am. Yeah, so they haven't so, maybe read what other people yeah. have read or, or yeah. Or listen so to actually, podcasts for them, or, it is it is sort of a true mm-hmm. surprise. I I sort of like that it's a surprise, but it's 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 a hard. I mean, in the internet age, it's very hard to have any secrets. Mm-hmm. I don't like to watch trailers for movies. I don't yeah. like to. You like going I like in to fresh. Just go, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and this was also so. I mean, this is the Broadway audience here, and this was the first is the first show that you did on Broadway as opposed to off Broadway, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is my fourth solo show off Broadway, and then this is the one that ended up going to Broadway. And I think, <clears throat> honestly, like I think my my audience just is my age, mm-hmm. and so they just like they grew up a they, little bit. They to, went to, to become, they started going to Broadway, Broadway shows. People. I don't fall for these cliches at weddings where they'll say, like, two becomes one. But I do feel like if you're lucky in a relationship, there are moments. And I mean moments. (laughs) Like, this is a moment. That was a moment. (laughs) There are moments. 
where you feel like your souls are colliding in a way that two souls have never collided in the history of humankind, and you think, how did I get this lucky? My wife and I hate going to parties, but we love driving away from parties. <laughs> and then the Netflix version you filmed on Broadway, is that right? And, the, and that's a community, too. I get together with all those guys. Who, all the Netflix guys? All the Netflix comedians. <laughs> we have a, a brunch every year. It's me and Chelsea Handler. Yeah. And Dave Chappelle mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Kyle Kinane. It's that's, the four of us. It's a good group. <laughs> um, but, it, I mean, it is, it's fun to have it on Netflix. It's great. Um, it's great. And, and part, you know, sp- particularly because of the international reach of it because yeah. uh, the because I have a daughter like it's very hard for me to go to Australia and, mm-hmm. and other places you know in Europe and stuff like that uh, because I don't want to be away from her right. too long yeah and so it's it's nice to send them a version of it that and, and Seth Barish who directed the show really directed the hell out of the special and so he he you know he made it really beautiful mm-hmm. yeah is there is there anything that you did differently for the filmed version that, that no, is we, basically we, what we you really see on just, stage? We really just try to capture the what the live experience is and, and uh, you know mm-hmm. as much as we can. Yeah, um, your last special that was on Netflix, thank God for jokes, um, which I just rewatched actually. Oh, and, cool! And, and holds up incredibly well, uh, especially considering oh it was God. filmed like what three or four days before the uh, before the 2016 election. Oh God! Yeah. Does that feel like a different uh, time that you that you were filming that special? Does it feel like a long time ago? Yeah, we. Uh, it did. It was very. It's funny because when people ask me about the state of jokes and everything right now, because mm-hmm. it's a very popular very topic. Popular topic. I'm always like, well, I did a special about that. <laughs> it's on yeah. Netflix. Mm-hmm. It came out <laughs> long before this mm-hmm. was the hottest topic in america yeah and it's my it's you know it's my thesis what's your which which part of it is your thesis or how would you describe the thesis well <clears throat> i think that uh it's it's sort of what i say in the end in that final mm-hmm. monologue where i say that the world is getting smaller mm-hmm. which is of course becoming oh my gosh if you are following current events now you're yeah fucking head will explode mm-hmm. thinking about how much the world is getting smaller and and um and i think you know and it's gonna become only more and more tense uh, because people have such uh, uh, starkly uh, different ideologies and feelings about things and i think that you know one step towards uh, a, a better understanding of things is is for us to to listen to other people in the context in which they intend their words. Mm-hmm. That special did feel more like in a traditional stand-up special in some ways. Compared and that's how to, it started. Yeah. Yeah. What happened was is I that? went on the road. It's related to this in a certain way. Jen didn't want me to talk about our pregnant life and having a child mm-hmm. on stage. Really? And that was like the first time in our whole relationship where... And we had talked about that. Like mm-hmm. I say in this show, I was like, I was very clear. Yeah. I never want to have a kid. I was, similarly, mm-hmm. like I was very clear that I'm going to talk about us, you know, my life on stage and yeah. that's us. And you've set a precedent that, uh, that your, that your life and your relationship is going to get, it's going to be in there. Yeah. Because it's just what I do. And then like, and, and then 
she didn't want me to do that anymore. And then so that I wrote Thank God for Jokes, mm-hmm. which is really not a it's just about jokes. Yeah. Really. I mean, and, and she's in it. I mean, there's a Catsachusetts and things mm-hmm. like that. But but yeah, it's mostly about uh, like the idea of jokes and how jokes ultimately. I mean, there's the other line you're saying, like, what is the thesis? Like the other mm-hmm. line that you pull out of it is like all jokes have to be about something. Mm-hmm. which I think is, is a truism Yeah, that, and, and uh, there's a line that never made it into, into the show. Cause I felt like it was too on the nose, mm-hmm. but I feel like is relevant to the conversation now, which is, um, people have the right to tell jokes and people, uh, equally have the right to be offended by jokes. Yeah. That's the, a big, the, the, <laughs> those two ideas can coexist. Mm-hmm. And it was too on the nose to say that in the yeah. show. Cause it would sound it would tip into TED Talk. Yeah. The special. And you know what I mean? Sort of like a lecture. Or a lecture. Yeah. yeah. And so I, that's not what I wanted to do. Yeah. But I do, I mean, there is this thing now, comedians get very upset, it, or a lot of comedians seem to be getting very upset when they're criticized. Yeah, it's a wild thing. Um, and if you, but I mean, it seems sound, seems like what you're saying is that you, you do feel like it, the criticism can be fair i mean there's yeah, there's such a thing as fair criticism of comedy well there's criticism of everything it, yeah basically if you're being criticized it means that you're charting mm-hmm. culturally yeah right like it's it's people think it's relevant yeah so it's not necessarily a bad thing yeah if, if people think what you're saying is relevant then some people say i like what you're saying some people are going to say i hate what you're saying mm-hmm. but in I think that what's been hard for certain a certain generation of comedians, perhaps, is that comedy used to be more under the radar. Right. Like, it didn't chart. Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't... It was, like, kind of like... I wouldn't say it was subculture, but it was sort of, like, not zeitgeisty. Yeah. Is that how it felt when you started? Yeah. <laughs> in the 90s. Like, I started in the late 90s. I mm-hmm. worked the door at the Washington, D.C. Improv, and was like... Yeah, like it didn't feel like anyone was getting into comedy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, whereas now it's just like, it's everybody's getting into comedy. Like it's... Yeah, and oh, comedy's kind, of the, I, kind I, of the I biggest dig, thing. Yeah, I take an improv class and I do, you know, like I'm into mm-hmm. that. I'm a comedian too. And you're like, like, any, like it feels, I feel like I have that conversation three mm-hmm. times a day, which isn't to say that those people aren't going to, aren't great comedians and aren't going to be great comedians. It just means that there's more of them. Yeah. So, I mean, let's talk a little bit about that, um, sort of how you started. Um, so you were, you went to Georgetown, right? Yeah. And then did you, you stayed in DC for a bit after or did you? I sort of was in between because my, mm-hmm. my, um, girlfriend at the time went to grad school in DC and so I, and I moved up to New York. I was sort of like living on my sister's couch for a little bit and I was on an air mattress in Queens mm-hmm. and then I was like back and forth to DC and I was like driving my mom's station wagon around the country and and I was like really struggling. <laughs> I was really like not doing well, and I wasn't a very good comic. And it was like, and it was, and I was, very, but I was very ambitious. I really yeah. like wanted it to happen. And, and I mean, we see a lot of that in Sleepwalk with Me. Yeah, in, yeah. In Sleepwalk the, with Me has a lot of that visually. And... Yeah. So is that uh, band aid part of the act? No, you're not the uh, the head wound comics. Not your tag. You know, like, I got a head wound after every joke. Is that you? No, look, I, I gotta be honest with you. She wants me to do half hour. I only have like ten minutes of material. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Really? Wow. You're gonna have to fill out that time somehow, man. Do some crowd work. Talk to the audience. Make fun of people. Well, I whenever know. I make fun of people, they punch me. Uh huh. Matt, we're bringing you on now. 
Don't do that on stage. Thanks. Unless it's your closer. Is that a pretty was it was it odd to kind of revisit the the time when it when you weren't as good of a comedian and and portray that on screen? Yeah, it was a challenge, you know, because you portraying comedy on screen is difficult because actually the trick of it is the jokes that are not funny technically still have to be pretty funny <laughs> it can't be that bad <laughs> you know yeah so it's like yeah. i say the joke in the movie i forget what it is it's one of my first jokes when i started out i was like the thing about cookie monsters he's not even he doesn't really eat the cookies or like do you think cookie monster has an eating disorder like i forget what yeah. even the joke is but it's not terrible like yeah. it, like all things considered like <laughs> it's like one of the jokes is like i would hate to be a stick insect because everyone's all all the other insects are always bumping into you mm-hmm. and you got to be like you know watch it and they're like you look like a stick and you're like i have eyes and they're like they were closed i mean it's not the best joke, but it's also not the worst joke. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know. Those are, those are like <laughs> jokes when I was starting out, and, and I used them in the movie. But that's the thing about, like, you know, performance movies, which mm. I studied a lot when I was making that, is um, you have to show an arc of performance. Yeah. And, and so, um, but you have to have the bad performances be entertaining in some way, too. Yeah, you can't right. just totally turn off the the audience with the yeah so like an so like a good example of that is um and it was sort of my model was the movie once yeah because it's like at the beginning he's playing covers mm-hmm. the covers are pretty good yeah and he's pretty good <laughs> yeah he sounds yeah. pretty good yeah yeah he just hasn't found his, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, his and, sound and, and yet and marquetta is like hey you should play your own stuff yeah and, and, and that's good too yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the reveal yeah but that movie really works like it, 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 it yeah. i i was sort of stealing that sort of model which is like that my early stuff was okay but it was like not really about me and then Mm -hmm. as i went along it was like more about me and yeah i'm interested in that evolution um from more you know pure joke stand up to you know these shows that you've that you've been doing for a while now which really have an arc have emotional elements to them um how much i i assume or i've assumed from hearing you talk about it that Ira Glass is a big part of that and sort of about that in that transition that you Ira made. Glass is a big part of that and my, my director Seth Barish is mm-hmm. a big part of that um, my professor from college is my screenwriting professor uh, John Glavin was a big part of that too mm-hmm. um, he he taught really interesting group of writers he taught John Mulaney after me and Jack Novak after mm-hmm. me he taught um Jonah Nolan, who was in my class. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. In Westworld, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and co-wrote the mm-hmm. Batman mm-hmm. movies. Like, um, Jordan Ardino. He's um, <clears throat> Brendan O'Brien, who wrote Neighbors. Like, he, he was pretty... Those are all people who, like, were in my span of, like, my, yeah. deca- my decade. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, a lot of them working writers. Yeah. Now, and, and they're good, really good. Um, <clears throat> but he... I think when I was 24, 25, I wrote a... I wrote, a, like, a two-hander one-act play and it was called baby on a train and because i thought i was going to be a playwright mm-hmm. or a screenwriter that was sort of what you imagined yeah. for yourself <clears throat> that's yeah. what i thought yeah yeah because i'd done four years of screenwriting and playwriting uh, in school and 
and then my sort of my day job was like driving the station wagon around the country kind of thing and and, mm-hmm. and, and doing these MC spots at, at sort of small clubs and and then and then I put on this uh this one act play called Baby on a Train and I think it's it was pretty good it's a pretty good play. It, it's a sweet little play. And, but no one showed up for it. And there, <laughs> yeah. was, there was like 14 people in the mm-hmm. audience. And and it was sad because if we were here in Los Angeles, which I've never done well in Los Angeles because I feel like I, it's it's just not a good town for me yeah. in terms of uh, the show business side mm-hmm. of it. Because I, I take people at their word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Big mistake. <laughs> yeah. That's a huge mistake. So pe- So this town is filled with people and they're like, you're wonderful. And then I'm like, thanks <laughs> and then they're like and then you call them the next day and that you never hear from them again yeah. you know you're like and so i had like a manager at the time which i think is just a, an obsolete profession at this point in really this, in the, yeah <laughs> i think so yeah <laughs> i don't have a manager yeah but uh but it's a big profession mm-hmm. I mean, people make a lot, a lot of money yeah, there's a lot of it. fancy cars driving around right. town with managers yeah and um <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah that was uh but uh, but this manager i had was like if you he read the play he was like if you mount this play yourself i'm gonna pack that room with <laughs> and i did it and, and you, no you one, took him at his word <laughs> yeah i took him at his word i thought he liked the play yeah he said he liked the play <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> sorry i'm coughing but um so, so let me just make sure the fluids. Oh, they're coming soon. Yeah, but um. So, uh, so I mounted that play. It was a bomb. I called my writing professor from college, and I sort of told him that, and he goes, "You know, you should really just write a solo play." Hmm. I go, ding, 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 ding. Yeah, ding. that was and a big I, moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and so then I just went to TKTS, and I just sort of saw whatever I was on Broadway mm-hmm. and off Broadway. I Solo saw, shows, or, yeah, yeah. Saw everything. Mm-hmm. I am my own wife. Bridge and Tunnel, the tricky part, and the tricky part was my favorite one. It was directed by Seth Barish, who directed my four shows. Now mm-hmm. I approached him and I said, I, "I have. I wrote the show called Sleepwalk with Me, and you know, and I, I think we got it off Broadway maybe five or six years later. Like it took yeah. years. It took a long time. That's the thing that is. Uh, it's hard to tell people who are aspiring solo performers is like." Eugene Merman has this great line. He goes, when people ask for him for advice as a comedy comedian, he says, "Start doing it, keep doing it. Call me in ten years." <laughs> and it's like it, it, it's kind of true. It's kind of true. Like it just takes years. Yeah. Did you have any concerns about kind of moving away from traditional quote unquote stand up and embracing theater, or how did you? I didn't have concerns about it because I things weren't going well enough for me to have concerns. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there is this kind of like macho stand-up thing. That's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's like the clubs and the, I it's mean, maybe it's kind of gone away a little bit. I don't know if it's, if you feel like it's still there, but well, to yeah, that, that was that big, that was a big thing with Hannah Gadsby special where right. people were like, it's not stand up. It's a one. Yeah. It's a one person. Show. It's like, it doesn't matter what it is. It's yeah. beautiful. Did you, you know what I mean? Did you like, feel like you related to to her in that in those moments yeah, when people of were criticizing it? Of or course. Questioning yes. it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it doesn't it doesn't matter what you call anything mm-hmm. it doesn't not i mean it yeah. doesn't matter you could go to a play and it could be three hours long and there's not a single word of dialogue and someone goes well that wasn't a play it was a it was experiential theater yeah you, know, you go yeah, okay <laughs> yeah. it doesn't matter mm-hmm. it's called bubble wrap yeah you know or whatever it's called <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like it just matters ultimately like what the what the experience is for the for the mm. audience member yeah when and i saw hannah gasby's show I, I was like whoa i saw it downtown mm-hmm. before it would before it became like an international phenomenon i saw it at uh soho theater and which is this small little space in in new york and and i sent like 10 comedians to go see it yeah. i was like i bought tickets for like all these Younger comedians, mm-hmm. including Jacqueline Novak, yeah. who I ended up producing. Who, by her the way, show. I love her show. Oh, it's um, incredible! I got to see it here before she went to New oh, York. It's, yeah, and, it's just the best. Um, yeah. She's a she's a phenom. Yeah. And um, and so yeah, and so the yeah, so I sent a bunch of there. Was, I was doing a storytelling show. I was producing a storytelling show for one night at Union Hall called mm-hmm. The Whole Story, mm-hmm. and it was like Gary Richardson and Sam J, Jacqueline Novak, Chris Laker, Josh Rabinowitz. Kevin Barnett, who passed away, yeah. uh, and uh, and it was awesome. It was like a really special night, and I and I I sent those guys all to see mm-hmm. Hannah's show because I was like, I was like, there's no other way I can explain this. You just have to see it. Yes, yeah. you got to see and this. And what did they think, or what kind of responses it was, did you, there, did you I, get? There's it was mixed. Yeah, but that's great. Yeah, that's great. Mixed mm-hmm. reaction is great. Like some mm-hmm. people loved it, some people didn't like it. It was mm-hmm. yeah, but it's all part of that it was all yeah. part of it, what we were just saying before which is <clears throat> when something becomes popular not everyone's gonna like it yeah some people yeah um and you don't care if you're called stand-up or called theater it doesn't matter well it's so funny because people are <laughs> when when that special came out some people were tweeting like how come when mike berbiglia <laughs> could be in the deb- debate of whether hers is stand-up yeah how come when Mike Birbiglia does it, That's no one cool. complains about that? And I was laughing because I was like, Hannah Gansby is so much bigger than I am. <laughs> she is like an international phenomenon. Like, it, like it's not even close. And and they do complain yeah. about it to me. Like, I get tons of flack. You're not a stand-up. You're a blah, blah, blah. All right. Whatever yeah. you fuck. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Um, her her new show is great too. Yeah, I, I don't even that. know if they filmed it or what, but they I are saw filming it live. It. It's supposed to be on Netflix or somewhere. It's soon. tremendous. Um, yeah, and then I think it's going to be in LA at, in February. So I'm hoping to see it then. I think she's really good. She's really great for comedy in general because it opens people's aperture to mm-hmm. what comedy can be. Yeah. So even if some person doesn't like it or some person loves it, there there's one person watching that who's going oh my god it can be that mm-hmm. yeah that, that's a great outcome yeah um since i i brought him up and we didn't really talk about it uh, i did want to touch on your relationship with ira glass and this american life because i think it was you know it's probably the first time that i heard you and probably a lot of people maybe heard you um yeah. what how did how did that um first start and what what do you feel like it's meant for your um for your career it's uh, it started because of the my, my relationship with the Moth mm-hmm. storytelling series. Um, this was before the Moth was a radio show, actually, and it was. I had done a few stories with the Moth, which is a great organization, and 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 I just at a certain point, I think I said I 
said to Catherine Burns, who's the artistic director, like, could you, would you be willing to send this sleepwalking story to the, that I recorded for the month to this American life? Cause I feel like I've always thought I'd be a great fit with that mm-hmm. because I, like always all these years, like when I would listen to David Sedaris on this American yeah. life, I was like, I think I'm more like that. Yeah. Than, than I am. Than like these standups that you're seeing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I always related to it. Like mm-hmm. I always thought like that was, I always felt like he was a kindred spirit mm-hmm. com- comedically. And, um, so I was like, oh, I thought that'd be a great fit. And then, and then, uh, eventually the moth, Catherine sent it over there and, uh, and then, uh, they, they were gonna, they, I was up on their board, like as a three by five mm-hmm. note card for a while. Yeah. Cause they it was do like a, a lot possible. Of, yeah, yeah. I was a possible mm-hmm. for like a while. Like yeah. I think for like a year. I'm sure they have a lot of possibles. Yeah. Yeah. They get pitched constantly. Yeah. And, and then at a certain point, uh, Julie Snyder, who the senior producer, called me and she goes, um, we'd like to run it, the audio from The Moth. And I go, you know, I'd really like to do the story like Sedaris does yeah. where he's in the studio. And they were, and she was like, no, <laughs> we're not going to do that. <laughs> That's and then, uh, too and, much work. And we're I gonna... had, well, I had some resistance to it. And then, and I understood why, or they had some resistance. I had resistance to that, to the to the live version mm-hmm. and, um, and then I, so then Ira just called me, mm-hmm. which is a crazy celebrity phone call yeah, the because voice, he's the voice, the yeah. voice is the part. Yeah, I'd probably freak out if Ira, if Ira Glass called me on the phone. It's, it's, it's a, it's a crazy experience. It's just, it's, <laughs> uh, and so he's like, this Ira Glass. I'm like, oh, you know, you, you just feel like you're talking yeah. to the radio. You feel like you're on the radio. You're yeah. on the radio. Yeah. 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 And, and he he was like, "Here's why I think you should do it. Mm. Here's why I think you should do the, the live audio." And um, and he was right. And I wake up, and I'm falling off the top of our bookcase in our living room. <laughs> and I land on the floor, hard, on top of our TiVo. <laughs> and it broke into pieces and I'm, I'm disoriented on the floor and it's like one of these stories where people black out drinking and they wake up in Idaho and they don't know where they are and they're like, oh no! <laughs> Hardies! You know, or whatever's, whatever's there. But it was... But it was in my, in my own living room. I was just like, oh no! Devo pieces! You know, and. You know, and I ended up like meeting up with him in New York, and, uh, and, and then we've ended up doing two movies together and this show together, yeah. the new one, and, and probably like 10, 10 plus, you know, stories for the, his radio show. And. It's just been like amazing. I mean, he's just been a, a great mentor. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about Don't Think Twice as well, just because yeah. I, I really, really love that film. Thanks. When I saw it, uh, it's one of those movies where I don't know if you've had this experience of seeing something and feeling like, I'm pretty sure this was made for me. That's what, you know, it's so funny. I was talking <laughs> to Kevin Nealon the other day. I did his hiking show. Oh, yeah. And he goes, you know, it's funny. He goes, I really like Don't Think Twice. And by the way, I love it when SNL people like Alums it like it because <laughs> it's it could be because it's their yeah. existence right and it, um in in some sense mm-hmm. um and 
And it means you like got got part of it right yeah. in some way. It's yeah. like you feel like, okay, good. And he goes, whenever I tell people to watch that movie, he goes, he goes, it must be like 10 people who I've said that to and they go, he stole that idea from me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, um, yeah, um, one of my friends, Joe, she goes, uh, she, <laughs> she, she has a saying about the movie, which is, you're so vain. You probably think "Don't Think Twice" is about you, because know? <laughs> it is one of those. It, yeah. people, there's a lot of people mm-hmm. who are like, "That's my exact yeah. story." You know, is it? It it kind of is Chris Gethard's story. Though, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. He was he was opening for me when I wrote it. Yeah. So <clears throat> he was. We were living on tour bus together. The um, Mike Berkowitz, my agent, he, and we have this. We have this way of looking at that period of my life and Chris's life because he represents Chris too, mm-hmm. which is like, is like I helped him with career suicide and yeah. he helped me with Don't Think yeah. Twice because I because career suicide was literally like me and him up late on mm-hmm. the bus and he told yeah. me that story. Yeah, I've and heard go, him tell the story. I go, that's yours, you, you know. Yeah. That's that's the show, man. Yeah, that's you want to be a stand up? That's yeah. your show, mm-hmm. you know. And he was like, "This is not funny," yeah. and I'm like. Yes, it is. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you were right. And but then, but then inversely, he um, he helped me understand mm. the improv journey. Yeah, in this way, that was yeah, and the experience amazing. and the whole Saturday Night Live experience yes. of of not getting it. I mean, you you never auditioned for Saturday Night Live, right? No, I didn't even. Not only did I not audition for it, I didn't get to audition for it. I mean, that's how low yeah. my career was at that period. Mm-hmm. In that period of time. Um, I like I. I think my agent at the time like sent a tape, and it would no one ever responded. Yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, like I didn't even show up to the whatever studio. Do you? I mean, I have a kind of unhealthy, <laughs> weird obsession with Saturday Night Live. Oh yeah, me Do too. You, yeah, of course. Yeah, I so, mean, you could tell from watching the movie. That... Oh, I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> yeah, I love Saturday Night Live, and uh, I've just loved it since I was a kid. And you know, I, I think. I, 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 there's a line akin to this in the movie, but it's a little bit for comedy nerds. It's like sports. For yeah. Us. I'm glad you're keeping sports. It's the you know sports I mean? of like, comedy. It's the only live sporting event of comedy. But, but comedy oh, isn't yeah, a sport. Comedy. It shouldn't have winners and losers, and there shouldn't be points. They don't have, I mean, they got Gary Cho, and then it's like, who else? You know what I mean? Everybody else is white. Even if it wasn't me, there should be somebody else on the show I, I think that represents different, another different shades of white. Certainly, mm-hmm. yes, there's definitely. They've got they've got eggshell, acrylic, <laughs> to, <laughs> to off white, to uh, almost almost ochre. Almost I ochre. enjoy ochre performers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was good when I was little. Right, you you never know if it was good when you were little or you were just little, so you didn't know. It's the great paradox of Weekend Live is, was it good ever? And can I, or did we just think really, so because no, we were You should well. not have said that in your audition. I think that's <laughs> It's live. It's on television every week. It's it's consistent, you know. It's, there's kind of like a, dra- there's like a draft kind of aspect yep, to it. there's a and, draft. That's right. There, um, there's, you know, and then... Rookie players, yeah. And there's a seasonal aspect mm-hmm, to it, too, mm-hmm. you know. Um there's a holiday aspect to it, mm-hmm. you know. They do. It's always something special around yeah. Christmas. And Eddie Murphy this year. Is that? Is that that's yeah. right. Yeah, I saw that. And and then it's like, um, I don't know, man. It's just like there's something about that show, you know. And then it's similar to sports. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Sometimes it's yeah. okay. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes yeah. they win. Sometimes yeah. they lose. <laughs> I, do, yeah. I do like how you, your yeah. character in the in the movie says something like, uh, "Was it ever good?" 
think Seth Meyers like put it well once when he said like one thing is always true about every episode of Saturday Night Live like some of the sketches are good some of the sketches are bad some of the sketches are okay yeah <laughs> or something like that yeah. it's like and it's, it's sort it's of just great. the reality of what it is I don't know it's, yeah. there's something about it but it's it is it's consistent. just endlessly fascinating somehow it is. at it's the same time it is endlessly fascinating um, did you I know you you joked I think with him on his show Seth about being worried that you were going to get sued oh I thought that they they, they very well might sue us and then at a certain point like our distributor was like no it'd be good if they sued us <laughs> yeah. it'd be good the same way that like Al Franken got sued by Fox News or yeah. something it was like it made the, the, book, the book go sales, to number yeah. one or something yeah. like that so you were kind of hoping that maybe I, but I wasn't yeah. really I yeah. mean the idea I'm too neurotic to yeah. want to be sued right yeah. No matter how, who says. Did yeah. you ever? I mean, I guess you've talked to you know people like Kevin Nealon and, and Seth, but did you ever hear from that that Lauren Michaels had any awareness of it or? No, but then like people will always say to me like in the inner circle they'll be like, "Yeah, everybody knows about it." <laughs> <laughs> how could you not? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I know Seth and I know Fallon and mm-hmm. I know. I, I mean, I, it's. It was in some ways a weird movie to to make because you're it's it's like you're a little bit of a narc by making mm-hmm. the movie yeah because your community mm-hmm. you're like yeah you're calling out the this reality that maybe is more people don't people don't talk about out loud yeah and then you're like admitting a certain thing about yourself which is like envy right you know like it's you know not I mean, I mean your your character is uh well my character is, is pretty, miserable yeah, my character is <laughs> miserable that was a uh, it is striking to see because i you know i think it's it's a level beyond the character that of you that you play it's not me on sta- at you know. all yeah it's yeah. nothing like me really yeah. um and it's pretty dark uh it's a dark character yeah, yeah. was that fun or was that yeah scary yeah, or, yeah, yeah 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 i like playing characters mm-hmm. that are you know outside of myself because mm. no you know because it's like no one's gonna cast me yeah as that <laughs> so you just cast yourself yeah, I mean, as I directed that. It. yeah yeah i can say um, that part. and people it was funny because my friend yorma who wrote for snl mm-hmm. yorma tacone he he for years in lonely island yeah he he we were doing readings at my house and he was like well you have to play jack that was the keegan yeah. part I, and he's like you gotta mm-hmm. you know i was like no no yeah i can't play jack yeah because he gets cast you have on to, <laughs> Saturday Night Live. You have to believe that he gets cast. I, there's a reason I was never cast on Saturday Night Live. I'm not talented in that way. And so why the hell would my, mm. as an actor, it's that thing when you see a movie and you're like, you don't, you're not good enough to be that. Yeah. And it fucks up the experience. Mm. Mm. So like Keegan, Keegan, yeah, Keegan Michael Keegan, Key is like totally believable as a Saturday Night Live. Not only is yeah. he believable, I mean, he would have been one of the greats if yeah. he was on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Key and Peele is one of the best sketch yeah. comedy shows of all time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love the movie, and it's it did it did speak to me. Thanks. Yeah, it's on Netflix now. If people want to yeah. see it. It's uh, it's it's had a nice like like S- second tale. Life. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think there'll be a, a film film version of the new one? <laughs> and and follow up will paul rudd play uh play <laughs> oh my you? god that was the funniest <laughs> thing i feel i, I feel bad because yeah, i've been goofing around about that on social media that um about that review because the charles mcnulty wrote in the times and he's a really good reviewer and he's a really good writer that that if if new the new one is a is a movie paul rudd must star and i was <laughs> like that just sums up my entire hollywood yeah. experience it's is that so you funny. show up and you go, hey, I'm here. And they're like, okay, so you know who'd be great at this is Johnny Depp. <laughs> Coming up, how Mike convinced Terry Gross to play herself in his hilarious short film, 
Fresh Air 2. Too fresh, too furious. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Do you know when Crystal Pepsi was discontinued? What was in Al Capone's vault? Or which famous meteorologist is Lenny Kravitz's second cousin? If not, then you haven't spent enough time on Wikipedia. But that's okay, because you can learn it all on the new podcast, WikiHole, from Smartless Media. Discover the craziest rabbit holes on Wikipedia with host and friend of the last laugh, Darcy Carden, and her favorite comedian friends, as they bring the cyber frontier directly to your tympanic membrane. And if you listen to WikiHole, you will learn that's the sciencey term for eardrum. Wikihole is a hyperlink roller coaster, starting out on one Wikipedia page and then going from link to link to link to link, careening through trivia, oddities, and unexpected connections until everyone wonders, how the hell did we get here? Follow Wikihole on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can listen to Wikihole ad free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. If you're enjoying this episode and want to hear more, please make sure you are following The Last Laugh wherever you get your podcasts. By subscribing to The Last Laugh, you can listen to my conversation with other performers at this week's Netflix is a Joke Fest, like Bill Burr, Chelsea Handler, Patton Oswalt, and more, along with everything else from our free archive. And you'll be the first to hear new episodes when they drop every Tuesday. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts to let us know how much you love the show and who you want to hear next. Now, back to Mike Berbiglia. So what I want to do now as we sort of get towards the end here is um, is run through some of the stuff in your career that we didn't get to talk about yet. And, oh, okay. And see if um, there's kind of a quick uh, memory or, or story that, that jumps out to you. Um, so starting with your uh, late night stand-up debut, uh-huh. which was it on Letterman? Yeah, 2002. Yeah. What do you remember about that night? What I remember is that um, I was in utter disbelief that it was happening. Yeah. And that I, they asked me if I wanted cue cards with bullet points of my jokes. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I don't think I need that. And then my brother Joe was there who's been writing with me for years and producing with me. And he goes... Yeah, we'll do the cue cards, and then I get out there. <laughs> I get out there, and I my mind goes totally blank, and I look at the cue card, and I and I see I can see my next joke, and it, it saved me. Yeah, did you look at it after that first time? Did you keep looking at it? No, it was just I did the first joke, and then mm-hmm. I then I went blank, and then I looked at mm-hmm. the second one, and then yeah. I think I was okay from there. Mm-hmm. 
but uh <laughs> yeah yeah. Did you get to meet uh, Letterman? In, no, no, uh, no. He's pretty. I, I he's mean, pretty uh, separate from, from yeah, everything. It's, not, it seems like. it's amazing how how separate uh, he is from from comedians mm-hmm. on that show. But he's just an eccentric. He's an ex- uh, you know self described eccentric person. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask about uh, your your scene in Girls. Yeah, which uh, which uh, that episode ex- entitled that, "The Vagina Panic." Yeah, the the excruciating uh, scene with, with <laughs> yeah. Lena Dunham. Yeah, the awkwardness. Really Where did you go to school? Oh, I just I, I went to Syracuse upstate. I have so many friends who went there. Yeah, me too. Because <laughs> you went there with them. Yeah, a few of them there. I read a statistic that said Syracuse has the highest incidence of date rape of any university. Wow. Which weirdly went way down the year that you graduated. That was just a joke because I was saying that there was no more date rape because they figured out who it was who was doing it, and it was you. Maybe you're not used to office environments like this, but but um, jokes about rape um, or, or race or incest or any of that kind of stuff, it's not office okay. And so I just don't think this is going to work out right now, but... Call us back, maybe six months, eight months down the road, and and, and we'll stay in touch. Uh, what do you remember about filming that? Loved loved shooting that scene. Uh, Jody Leipz, uh filmed it. Uh, Lena directed it. Uh, we improvised a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a unique epi- uh, uh, scene for that show because they don't they weren't improvising around that time yeah. on the show a lot, and so. But Lena and I were friends, and she mm-hmm. goes, "Hey, do you want to play this part?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah." And and she and I just had good rapport, and so we thought like that would be sort of what made the scene work, mm-hmm. and what would make it painful. Yeah, when it turned, <laughs> yeah. like how it's so essentially painful. it's similar to "Don't Think Twice." How well it goes is how poorly it, it yeah. becomes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so now I have to ask about what I think is. My favorite thing that you've ever done, which is Fresh Air 2, Too Fresh, Too Furious. Furious, Too Furious, yeah. With Terry Gross. Oh, I'm so glad you liked it. Um, it's just, I also rewatched that recently and just I was laughing out loud by myself. Uh, but it's, it's a, I love, for, I, I'm so glad you like it. I feel like it didn't go, not only did it not go viral the way that one would hope mm-hmm. a, a short film like that. Yeah does it didn't even go bacterial like it didn't even <laughs> like it didn't what was the story it didn't get a cold so it didn't catch a to, cold i was trying to remember because was it, it was part of a live yeah. was it part of a live it show, actually was part of i think a, this American i was life which i think event. i was at okay and that's where i saw it and then yeah on the big screen it's phenomenal because yeah. we shot it on super 16 and and joe anderson filmed it my cinematographer from don't think twice and so it looks really pretty yeah. so how did you so you, you were doing it for this american life live show was it difficult to convince her to do that or was what was that process a lot of it was i came i called ira and he he asked because you have anything visual (laughs) (laughs) he's like i don't do visuals (laughs) yeah 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 he was doing a cinema live event you have anything visual and then i go like i go what about this premise i got to give ira a lot of credit for this because he's so good there's so many things that he's great at yes Mm anding, and and this is one of them 
I I go what what if the premise is like I go and I'm being interviewed by Terry Gross and then like the it ends and then I'm just like hey so we're like what are you doing now you know <laughs> <laughs> and then we'd like go to a cafe and I'm like what are you doing now you know and, and then he goes um and then Ira goes but it's got to go it's got to go somewhere crazy. Like you guys have to like rob a bank. And I was like, yeah, great idea. Yeah. And so that, that, so that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened. <laughs> wow. What happened? Oh, Terry. I'm so sorry. I shot the guard by accident. And then I shot myself by accident. Well, what does it feel like to be shot? It's pretty bad, Terry. I don't think I'm going to make it. Well, Mike Birbiglia, thank you so much for joining us on this bank heist. Thank you, Terry. It's so good. Yeah, my mom, my parents don't like it because it has a gun in it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you get you get shot. You shoot yourself. <laughs> they right, don't like that that's part. part of it, too. Oh, my God, can you they imagine? Probably, yeah. That never even occurred to me. Yeah, that they, that they wouldn't like uh, seeing yes, that. Yes, that they wouldn't like seeing their child be shot. Yeah, <laughs> they might not like that. That's great, though. Um, I loved your performance in Trainwreck. Thanks. Um, I'm proud of that, actually. Which I think is, no one talks really, about it that much, kind of but a I'm deep, proud of it. It's kind of a deep performance, and, and there's a lot of great performances in that movie. Um, Colin Quinn, also really good. Um, but what did what was your um, w- did that feel like a different kind of acting challenge experience for you or was that my wife has a beautiful poem that w- this winter so Jen and I have a book coming out it's the new one painfully true stories from a reluctant dad with poems by J Hope Stein mm-hmm. and this winter we were workshopping some of the stories with poems together mm-hmm. and we were on Judd Apatow's show at Largo mm-hmm. and and we just were like what if we went up together and just did this thing back to back and she read this poem that we explained to the audience it was like a one of a kind and now it's two of a kind because we're saying it to you here and um, and she said uh, "It's I'm going to butcher the line but the poem says something to the effect of um, you, like you say you don't want to be a father but this director he he sees something in you mm. that you you would be you would be a good dad yeah and it was like it was like Judd Apatow cast me as a dad before <laughs> before my life did that's great and uh, it's sweet it's really sweet and 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 it is yeah it was yeah he cast me he cast me as a dad and then there's also a funny thing which is like Brie Larson as Brie Larson's husband which is like in like this <laughs> long string of like. Um, being married or in a fake uh, movie TV relationship with women who are way out of my league. Mm. Uh, I was in a scene with Reese Witherspoon. Oh yeah. In uh, hot pursuit. I was in a, I was in, I feel a lot of things. Asia Kate Dillon and billions. Yeah. Uh, there's a great many <laughs> like semi romantic things that I've been in. Yeah. And it's kind uh, of a Judd Apatow special too. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and then we had a son, Evan, mm-hmm. and I, yeah, I played a dad. The funny thing about that experience was, <coughs> the funny thing about that experience was that um, Amy would improvise a lot on the set. Yeah, and man, is Amy Schumer a great improviser? So, I mean, just incredible. And she, would, she would imp- you know, her character hated my character, mm-hmm. you know, because I I was seen as like sort of the guy who you know 
her sister settled for me yeah. in some way. And so she would improvise all these insults of me mm-hmm. all day being a, like a loser. <laughs> but I was like, it's me basically playing me. Like it's yeah. not, it's quote unquote Tom, but mm-hmm. it's pretty much Mike Birbiglia. And, yeah. and so like I'd come home and uh, say to Jen, like, I think that I might be a loser, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like uh, the... Uh, the joke that I would make on stage at the time, I remember this, I don't tell it anymore, but on the tour, on the train wreck tours, I would go, um, I'd come home to my wife and I'd say, um, I think I might be a boring loser. And when Jen would say, you're not boring. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. goofy. Uh, but that was a very fond memory. And it was like a great cast. Like it had Brie Larson and and Vanessa Bayer, and then we mm-hmm. went on that tour. Yeah. We, like, we went on this crazy whirlwind tour mm-hmm. of New York and L.A., and it, it was a Chicago. It was crazy because it was, like, it was actually, I lived uh, in proximity or within the tsunami that was Amy Schumer exploding into yeah. the stratosphere. Mm-hmm. And that was cool. Yeah. That was a cool thing to be a and part of. And that's what brought uh, Judd back to stand-up. It brought Judd back to stand up too. Yep. Yeah. Um, so let's end with this. Um, when you look back at, at all the stuff that you've done and people you've worked with, who do you feel like has been the, the funniest person just to, to be around that you've worked with uh, in a you know, on the set or in clubs or, or just who 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 comes to mind? The that person that comes to mind like immediately, and it's a little obvious, but for me it's personal because we've been friends so long is like john mulaney because mm-hmm. like when i was when early in my career when he got out of college he he came on tour with me when i came out with two drink mike and so we'd spend like yeah. hours and hours together on like a tour bus together and he it's like if you think he's funny on stage like off stage he's like even funnier <laughs> yeah. somehow and and he's uncannily like it's kind of amazing that john wasn't a cast member on snl yeah because and around the time, I think we all thought his group of friends were all were like, okay, he's a writer on it. Of course, he'll be on it. Yeah. And then he never was. Not because he didn't want to be. Or, oh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But, but, uh, but he, because he does so many voices mm-hmm. and impressions. Yeah. And like, he really is like a jukebox mm-hmm. like he he he's a he's a li- and, and, and the other person who is similarly hilarious is bill Hader. yeah the two of them and it's no no surprise that yeah. they, they team up on things like like the two of them are a riot yeah 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 um well great uh so and then my da- and then yeah. my and then, the, and then my daughter yeah just throw, <laughs> throw, throw that in there too <laughs> my daughter una <laughs> no, I do. I, I I laugh the hardest when I'm with. <clears throat> I'm I laugh the hardest when I'm with um, my wife and my daughter, and that's yeah. that's sort of like I, I posted a photo on Instagram today of of like a photo because it was like a rare photo I had. Someone shot it for Netflix, where I'm like, oh, this is what my laugh looks yeah. like when I'm with my family. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you'd never capture that on film usually. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um, well, good luck with the the show tonight and the rest of the the weekend and. Then Netflix and on to the next thing. Apparently, yeah. Thanks, thanks so much. <laughs> thanks for doing this. Yeah, I appreciate uh, it. It means a lot to me. Thank you. All right, that was my conversation with Mike Berbiglia. 
You can get tickets to see him perform his new show, The Old Man and the Pool, at Netflix is a Joke Fest by clicking the link in the description for this episode. And you can find the rest of his tour dates, including a longer run in LA later this summer, at burbigs.com. Also, I highly recommend you check out Mike's podcast, Working It Out, wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to support The Last Laugh, please help us out by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We want as many people to hear this show as possible, and you can help by spreading the word and sharing it with your friends. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. And if you're not already, please follow at LastLaughPod on Instagram, where you can see photos and videos from all of our episodes and see who is coming up next week on the show. The Last Laugh is distributed by Acast for The Daily Beast, with audio production by Jesse Cannon. Our theme music is by Claude, you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find this show every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week.